This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Six, 2018, and I guess this is a mini episode of Psychology as Dead. I'm your host, Quentin Moody, and we'll be sort of taking a trip back to March 2nd, 2008, to revisit a very important match to me, an important match to the career of one very prominent wrestler, and for one of the best wrestlers of all time, or in my opinion, the best wrestler of all time. Something that might just be another day in the office, but it's something that's very significant, I think, in British independent wrestling history. And with me to go on this journey, I have a frequent guest, I guess, on the now defunct um, DKP podcast. Where you, <laughs> but um, James E um, underscore 2015, as you may recognize him on Twitter, but I guess we'll be just be calling him James for these purposes today. James E, how are you? I'm very well, Quentin, and thank you so much for having me on. It's um, Yeah, I was really happy when you asked me because um, you're one of the guys that I really, you know, I, I listen to online. Like, I, I love listening to your podcast, but you're, you're, I have a very short list of people who, if they recommend a match or if they put an opinion out there, you're, you're one of the guys I actually really I do listen to and someone whose opinion I respect an awful lot. So um, it, it means a lot to me to be asked, actually, and I'm delighted to be talking today about... Two wrestlers that, um, like yourself, I mean, you, you think that Danielson's the greatest ever, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I think we're both huge fans of Zach as well. Um, I don't know, have, have I given away <laughs> the identity of, of, of who's in this match? But um, yeah, I mean, these are two guys that I love. And, I mean, they're, they're guys I could talk to them about all day, really, you know. And I've been, I've been meaning to have you on to do a show in some capacity forever, but because we're, what, five or six hours apart in time time difference-wise, yeah. it's, it's going to make things a little bit more difficult. But since I'm unemployed at the moment, it makes it a little bit easier. So, um, you mentioned it, but the match I'm talking about, or we're talking about, rather, today is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson from March 2nd, 2008 in Triple X Wrestling. Now... This is a very irrelevant promotion to talk about. This is a promotion that doesn't, I don't, I'm not sure exists anymore. And if they do run, nobody talks about them. Um, <laughs> it happened, in, uh, I think Coventry, this match happened. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Coventry, yeah. Uh, and at the time, this is weird to say, but like Zack Sabre Jr. at the time is still very popular among a little niche pocket in England, in Europe. He's, uh, I think he's been in WXW at this point. He's been wrestling for like six years up to that point. He's 20 years old. And this match is built up as like the match of the year, match of the decade, hyped up tremendously as he's going up against a man that I firmly think was the best wrestler in the world at this point in Brian Danielson. So it was this like, up-and-coming star of this scene that is still in a dark period and this guy that's been back and forth to Europe multiple times has ties there and in this little tiny bar with uh, 20, 30 if you want to be generous, maybe 40 people there mm, yeah, they go out there and have this match that is almost mythical it's hard to find uh, it's not, it wasn't up anywhere on YouTube until, um, I uploaded it last month or so. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of a weird match historically in a significant one, but one that you, it's kind of got lost for a few years, I think. 
Yeah, it's um, and I mean, I suppose it's it's important to point out like to I suppose to, to people who might be familiar with with the British scene that like two thousand and eight was was a totally different time right. in, in British wrestling. You know, I mean, n- nowadays it's it's the hottest scene in, in, in independent wrestling. You know, and the, the depth of promotions, the number of wrestlers who are popping up is unbelievable. You know, but but back then two thousand and eight there was. Um, as you said it, like it, it was dark days for British wrestling. You know, I mean, Zach. Zach there's a generation of wrestlers there with Zach and Marty Scurll, Haskins, um, like Jimmy Martin, Havoc, yeah, Osprey, Martin, Martin Stone, uh, Martin Stone, exactly. Uh, like, and like, it is, I, I always kind of count British wrestling in waves, and even the generation before them was your. Your Jody Fleisch, your Johnny Storm, your Dean Allmark, your James Mason, Doug Williams, and they're the guys that that, that carried it for a long time, you know. But like, there there weren't lots of places to work, you know. Like, I think All Star Wrestling were, were still running pretty often, and they had like Dean Allmark and, and James Mason. I think there were, know, I think FWA was still around at that point. FWA and then IPW UK was was just springing up, and they would eventually kind of split off and form Rev Pro. But that was it, you know, and for British wrestling fans to see high quality wrestling, it, it was just, um, it was only when imports came over, you know, and over the years in, in the mid 2000s, there were some big shows like the um, the Wrestling Channel put on a show um, with, with, I think it was Kobashi and Masao got over, Akiyama, Mick Foley, a few guys like that. Um, ROH came over in 2005, 2006 and did shows, um, Dragon Gate. There was a Noah show, actually. Interestingly enough, um, I was looking at Cage Match, just looking mm-hmm. up this particular match and, and what uh, Danielson was doing in 2008. And I actually realized that um, in June of the same year, um, the, the Noah show had happened in the same city, actually, in Coventry. Um, and it was actually a show that I was lucky enough to attend myself. And Danielson was on the card, you know. So just an interesting little thing that that was. But, but that's what that was what people in the UK had at the time. Big shows, uh, super shows. And then a, a kind of a, a local scene that was very much in its infancy, and, and like, but but the stars of today were just beginning and just starting out at this time. And Danielson is someone that always had respect for um, the English wrestling scene, English English wrestling history. Obviously, getting William Regal's trunks passed down to him, making frequent trips here and there to England to wrestle, and in Germany where he did a lot of WXW stuff. But here, this is a promotion that didn't have anything to boast. This is a show in where taking front of a handful of people and mm. Brian Danielson is years and years and years um in at this point of being regarded as one of, if not the absolute best wrestler in the world. So he goes to this tiny promotion in England and he faces this unknown, relatively unproven guy and for a lack of better words, I think Danielson works way harder than he needs to. And it's something where I point to this as like, Danielson's a wrestler where I have like a whole bunch of light bulb moments as where like, oh, this is why he's the best wrestler ever. Oh, here's another moment why I think he's the best wrestler ever. And I think this was one that solidified it for me because He's about a year or so away from signing with WWE. He has mm. zero yeah. left to accomplish, zero left to prove. He's done absolutely everything you could ask of him on the independent wrestling scene, especially when guys like uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, CM Punk, Christopher Daniels, Loki are all fading out. They're not do as doing as many indie dates or they're assigned to major companies. Yeah. So... Danielson is sort of the last guy standing, and he works this match against Zack Sabre Jr., and he works way harder than he needs to, and it's one of the most selfless performances I've ever seen from someone that we would call a top star. There's a a lot of quirks and nuances to this match, but uh, as far as the match itself, do you have like any general thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was watching it earlier, and just before we talk about, I suppose, the actual, the action itself, mm-hmm. um, to go along with what you said, you know, um, this isn't the greatest Brian Danielson match ever. Um, it's, it's not my favorite Brian Danielson match ever, but the more I thought about it, if somebody said, show me one match, which, you know, you can pick one match that he's ever had, 
show me one that proves why he's the greatest of all time. I think I nearly would pick this match, you know, because, you know, he has five-star matches. You can list them off, you know what I mean? He has brawls with Morishima, he has Kenta matches, he has the Loki stuff, and that's all great, you know what I mean? But as you said, like, the setting here is... This is a this is a dingy place. You know what I mean. This is it's it's the jo- it's the Jolly Beggar Club in Coventry. That's the name of the venue. It's um, it's not even a wrestling arena. It's 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 one of these. I don't know if you have them in America. It's like a workman's club. It's called. Right. So they, they, you would have them in a lot of northern towns in England, where um, you'd have a kind of a, a bar area where you'd have pool tables, uh, maybe fruit machines, uh, TVs for sports. And then attached to the bar, you'd have a kind of a function room. So if somebody was having a birthday party, you, you, you'd rent out this function room and you'd have, you know, there's a stage there for a band to play and that kind of thing. And then there's, there's just tables and stools for people to sit at and have their drinks. And that's basically what this is. It's, it's a stage, a wrestling ring, and then there's no guardrail. It's not set up like a traditional arena. It's just people sitting at their tables, having their drinks, smoking their cigarettes, I'm watching this wrestling match, you know, and it's, it's, you know, and at this stage, this guy has done everything. He's been the PWG champion. He's been the ROH champion. He's already done dark matches for WWE. He's been to Germany. He's been all over England. New Japan. You know, he's a big deal. Yeah. He's, he, uh, he may even be at the time either the, the junior heavyweight champion in Noah. If not, um, if not already, then he's about to win it. Uh, you know, this guy is a big deal. And as you said, he had every right to come here. Um, give them 15 minutes of the, the greatest hits of, of, of Brian Danielson, send everybody home, and that would be fine, and nobody would complain or argue with it, you know. But instead, what we get is something really special, you know. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it speaks to his greatness, you know, that he would show up here and do what he did. Um, to move a, a little bit away from Danielson at this point and talk about uh, Zach. Zach is 20 years old at this point, very unpolished, and he looks completely different from the Zach Sabre Jr. we've come to recognize and know in 2018. Uh, he's skinnier, he's paler, he has longer hair, um, he's less um, distinguishable than he is now. If you looked at Zach Sabre Jr. back then, you probably wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. Uh, but in spite of this, I still think we see the flashes of Zack Sabre Jr. we would come and grow to appreciate years down the line because he still has that sort of fire and uh, innovativeness in his offense that just wasn't being seen about that time. We still have, we had guys like your Davey Richards, your Danielsons, Loki, Joes, that were all sort of submission, hard-hitting guys. Mm. But I don't think anyone committed to the submission tactics like Zach did eventually. And even then, before he became known as the technical wizard and this submission specialist, he was sort of a shoe style guy more, doing a lot of kicks and strikes. And he used to fly around the fly around the ring and do springboards and suicide dives. He's a very different Zack Sabre Jr. at this point in his career. So, what exactly? Where exactly would you evaluate this Zach we see in two thousand eight? Yeah, like as you said, he's he, he is very raw. You know, he's um, he's a skinny kid with a Beatles haircut. You know, but as you said, you, you can see that the mat work is there already. You know, and I suppose if we kind of go into the beginnings of the match, it, it's it's the match starts and it's. Um, as you would expect, it's Daniel. It's Danielson exerting his, his superior superiority over Zach on the mat, you know. But every now and again, you'll just see a little reversal here, or he'll, you know, he'll 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 escape from it from a submission hold, or um, he just do little bits here and there. And of course, Danielson is good enough to kind of give him those little opportunities just to show what he has, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he he's a far cry from the. The, the guy we see in 2018, the Zack Sabre Jr., that's, that wrestles with so much authority, that's so much in control of everything he does, who comes up with these wacky, he seems to invent a new submission every time he wrestles, you know. But um, you can see that the building blocks are there, the fundamentals are sound, um, the grappling is good, you know, he, he's, he's grabbing these armbars out of nowhere, 
and he's doing some he's doing things then as well that he's eliminated now you know as you said he's he, at one stage in this match there's a really crazy suicide dive I mean you never see Zach do any dives anymore you know um, he, he throws some good kicks um, so yeah so the nuts and bolts are there you know you can tell he's well trained you can tell that he's um, you can see why he's already well regarded you know and I think even if you you touched on it earlier that it's not the best Brian Danielson match ever, but if I just looked at it from his performance and just like getting rid of the setting and all that stuff, just look at what he's doing in this match against Zach. It's masterful stuff. The crowd interactions, um, the way he's jarring with the fans, how he is only really paying attention to what one um, little girl is saying, who's the only <laughs> Brian Danielson fan in the crowd. Uh, the mocking of Zach, his facial expressions every time he puts him in a different submission. Uh, just completely dominating this skinny kid. And Brian Danielson is a amazing, next-level, all-time great heel. All-time great babyface, too. But his heel work is one of the best of a generation. And here, I think he's absolutely incredible just being this bully veteran for uh, just stretching out Zack Sabre Jr. the way he did. And it's not in a malicious way. It doesn't look unprofessional. It doesn't look like he's purposely trying to hurt Zack. But you believe that he's just this granddaddy technical mastermind that even if Zack has all these flashy arm bars and rolling arm bars that you can pull out of nowhere, Brian Danielson still has the rest of the game covered and Zack Sabre Jr. has a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's it's if you read Danielson's book, he he talks about his time in England as as quite important in him developing that aspect of his game as well you know he he always says that it was only through working in front of crowds of kids on the summer camps and that and the holiday camps that that, that he he developed those skills you know because if you think remember early danielson on the indies he was he was you know quite a bland baby face really you know and then it was he came back from those excursions to england and it was just as if someone had turned a switch on him and he had turned into this sneering heel, you know. Um, and it's 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 interesting. I, I closely watched the first few minutes of the video today when I was when I was looking at it. And he, um, I don't know if he knew what to expect when he came out, but when he comes out from behind the curtain, when Zach comes out, he's the hero. You know, he gets a big reception. He's cheered. He's the local guy, and the fans love him. And then Danielson comes out, and usually, like like when I go to shows. Um, even these days, when a big import comes over, even if they're a face or a heel, their initial reception will usually be a big, you know, they'll be greeted as a hero. Um, but in this, he comes out and the, the guys at this show, I don't know if, if they've seen him before or if he's worked for this promotion before, but, but he's pretty heavily booed the minute he comes out. And he kind of, he comes out and there's some kids standing there and he high fives the kids and it's all very nice. And then he starts getting this abuse from these guys in this bar, you know. And I don't know if these guys have been drinking all day. Some of the stuff they say, I think there's there's definitely been some drink taken, I think, during the course of this show. Um, you know, there's a bit of choice language at some stages as well. Um, like he comes out and he's uh, he's booed. And like it's like they've, they've crumpled up bits of paper and they're tossing the paper at him as he walks to the ring. And it gives the show this lovely old school world of sport feel almost. You know, you almost feel like you're back in the 80s watching somebody wrestling in the local hall, you know, a gym breaks or, a, you know, one of the heels of the time coming out and all the grannies are shaking their fists at him from the front row. You know, only this time it's, it's drunk guys in a bar, you know, and it's almost like he goes out and, and you kind of at one stage he kind of nods and you almost you almost kind of get the impression that he's saying, OK, Tonight I'm the heel, so let's give them the heel, you know. And it's um, and he builds it up nicely, you know. So he 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 starts off and he's got that arrogance. He's he's putting the holes in, but then he'll offer, you know, Zach will do an escape from one of his holes, and he offers him a handshake. And they wrestle for a little bit more, and again Zach escapes, second handshake, and then there's the point of escalation. Um, third time it happens, Zach has the almost temerity to escape another time. Um, Danielson offers the handshake. Zach takes the handshake, and it's straight away Danielson attacks, kicks him in the stomach, 
and turns up the volume straight away. And suddenly the, the, the match goes into a, a higher gear. He's more aggressive. He's more vicious. He puts on a vicious surfboard. He's, he's, while Zach is in the surfboard, he's stretching out his nostrils with his fingers. He does this, you know, this, the stomp he always does when he has the guy set up for the surfboard, yeah. stomps his knees into the mat. There's a really vicious dragon sleeper where he has Zach almost upside down, you know, and as you said, the stretching starts, you know, so there's suddenly escalation where he kind of, he goes into uber heel mode and it's, it's just incredible to watch, you know. So right at this point, some people may not still get what makes this match special. So mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. explain where this yeah. match takes a turn. So. Yeah. The referee makes a mistake on a pin combination and winds up counting Zack Sabre Jr.'s shoulders down when the match wasn't supposed to end. Three count, mm. bell rings, everyone is confused. Um, and final countdown hits and Danielson is sort of perplexed by it. The referee is very. It's it's worth point. It's worth pointing out that the ref the referee is like some kid. Yeah, he lo- he honestly looks like he's like a fourteen or fifteen year old trainee with long hair. He's like your little. There's like somebody's little brother that showed up. You know, you really feel bad for the poor guy. You know. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So it looks like this really young referee, Daniel Bryan, is confused. Um, um, the referee is very apologetic, and this turns into. Danielson saying, do you want to see me face this guy again or give him another shot? I don't believe, I don't know if this was the point where he asked a little girl or if the owner yeah, it of the, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he went and asked a little girl if she wants to see these two have another go of it. And right, we have another impromptu match. Exactly yeah. where he, he says, he, he gets the house mic and he says, um, do you want to see me go another five minutes? Mm. And um, he says, and the only person whose opinion I care about in this audience is that little girl over there in the Brian Danielson T-shirt. And um, <laughs> so he, he he gives her the mic, and he he, he says, you know, um, do you want to see five more minutes? And this re- this lovely little girl, this little cheeky English girl, she must have been only seven or eight, replies, I want to see another thirty minutes. <laughs> there's a big cheer from the crowd. It, it, it couldn't have worked out better, you know. There's this big cheer from the crowd, you know. Um, so Daniel says, okay, she wants thirty minutes. Let's give him thirty minutes, and off they go again, you know. Um. They go right back into it, really frenetic, fast-paced um, reversals, transitions, uh, technical wrestling that you would expect from these guys. It's really smooth and clever and quick, um, sort of breathtaking at times. And Zack Sabre Jr. winds up pinning Danielson. Now Danielson is a little mad, a little incensed that he gave Zack Sabre Jr. another chance, and he winds up beating him. So... We add another fall to this. This turns pretty much into a two out of three falls match. Um, do you have any thoughts on um the second fall and everything that led into that third one? Yeah, as you said, the, the, I guess the second fall is the it's probably the closing stretch of the match that they had planned. I suppose right. you know what I mean. Um, and as you said, it's 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 really high octane stuff. There's the, the typical Danielson superplex spot. There's, 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 there's roll-ups, there's counters, you know, and it's, it's, this is, this is the part of this, this whole situation is, is what we've been getting at, I suppose, all along about the greatness of Danielson. You know, he's, um, he's in the ring and things have gone wrong, you know, and he, he's the, the senior guy, you know, there's this poor kid of a referee. And there's a 20 year old wrestler here, you know, and it's a kind of a thing where he really has to figure this out on the sly, you know, and, and you see him out of the side of his mouth say to the referee, when it goes wrong, we're going to do one more fall. And then the ref kind of communicates to the announcer and they, they really skillfully sort it out in the ring. Um, without it being very obvious, you know what I mean? But, but I think it adds to the match. I, I, I don't like if you don't have this happen in the match. I don't think we're doing this podcast. You know what I mean? It's it, it's 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 that that whole mess up in itself encapsulates how great he is. You know what I mean? And um, as I said, then we go into a third fall. You know? Yeah, and the third fall is I think more Danielson in control. He's more incensed, a little angry at what had just took place, and he's here to yeah. definitive, definitively put away Zach here. Uh, I don't remember exactly how he finished him off. Would you? Would you recollect that? 
Um, it, it's it, it's actually really clever because we, we've had two roll up finishes, right. and um, they they tease. It's it, it's it's it's. Let me see. I have my notes here somewhere. It's um it's pretty much like they both kick out of roll ups, and then Danielson finally gets the win then with a third roll up. Right. Um, so again, it's it, it's it's almost like the, the roll up has been has gone from something that happened by mistake to being a legitimate finish. That they've established a roll up as a proper finish almost within the context of this match. You know what I mean? So they kick out of roll ups and then finally Danielson gets the one, two, three with a roll up. Um and yeah, it's 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 just a tremendous bit of on the fly wrestling really, you know, and that's that's the way wrestling should be, you know what I mean? And and he's good enough that he can, and clearly he's the one that's orchestrated this whole thing. You know what I mean? It's um, it's gone wrong, and he's the one that's got it back on track. And he's, they've, they've basically called it in the ring, you know, which is the sign of two great wrestlers, really, you know? Yeah, and you're right. Like, if this doesn't happen, if they just sort of go about business as usual and nothing, um, no fuck-up happens with the referee, and they <laughs> don't do another fall, because here's like that's what Danielson could have did. He could have just went, oh, referee fucked up, whatever, time to go home. That's it. Yeah, exactly. He could have just gotten mad, maybe yelled at the referee a bit, yelled at the promoter. Yeah, sort of an asshole, right? Yeah. Could have been an asshole, but he wasn't. And that's what makes Danielson who he is. He's this consummate, professional sportsmen want to give the fans what they want since they've came all this way to see him. He's taken this trip to England. Mm-hmm. He might as well go out there and just give them their money's worth, even if something went wrong. And yeah. that is the epitome of Brian Danielson to me. Um, when I did the art of uh, style on AJ Styles with Brock, I mentioned how AJ Styles is a guy that has never phoned it in a day in his life. I think yeah. AJ Styles is the hardest working guys who ever exist in professional wrestling. And when I say that, it's not that anyone doesn't come close because Brian Danielson is pretty damn close to that too. He works in a different way, but even when this guy was banged up in 2012 or not getting as many opportunities as you would think um, in NXT or Raw or SmackDown in that first couple of years, the guy always worked hard. The guy worked hard, wrestled two nights, wrestled two or two times in one night sometimes, multiple times a night on house shows sometimes, long matches, everything that you could have asked for from this guy, he did it. Yeah. And um, I think this is just part of the legacy of Brian Danielson for me is like, there's nothing that this guy wouldn't give to professional wrestling, even if he was this big star, this world-renowned phenomenon this already established like high power in wrestling like he was always ready and willing to give back yeah exactly and it's it's like he does the right thing here you know he he does the right thing by the poor kid who's the referee he does the right thing by zach he does the right thing by the crowd you know he, he just comes across as this ambassador for wrestler at the height of his powers coming into this tiny dingy venue and just, you know, even the way he, he, he kind of like this guys in the crowd, as I said, who are a bit drunk and that they're using a bit of bad language in some of their chants. And he kind of, you could say it's him being a heel, but also it's him being a good guy. He kind of shushes them down and says, there's kids here, you know, don't use that language, you know, and it's, um, you could say he's being a heel to the guys in the crowd, but he's right as well. You know, I've got kids and I wouldn't like them to be around people, you know, using that kind of language you know what i mean so it's just every he's just pure class you know he's just a class act in this from the minute he comes out from behind the curtain to the end of the match to after the match when he makes a little speech uh, and puts over zach as being good enough to hang with him in the ring you know it's just he's just a class act from start to finish now this wouldn't be the last time zach saber jr and brian danielson met in the ring they would have another singles match next year in WXW 16 Carat Tournament in 2009, around the same time as uh, this match happened, oddly enough, again again in March. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. wound up winning that match. And to transition more to Zack Sabre Jr., um, he's a guy that, again, like I think he's the best wrestler on the planet. But he's in that like class of guys that are among my favorite wrestlers. 
like uh, Pete Dunne and Jonathan Gresham and Walter, yeah. where maybe not Walter as much outwardly, but if you watch the Walter 10 series on WXW now, on the first episode, he beams about working Brian Danielson in 2008. Uh, Pete Dunne and Jonathan Gresham are very clearly inspired by Brian Danielson. And Zach is in that class too. And all of these years later, um, all these titles and tournaments won, being in the WWE um, Cruiserweight Classic, uh, being in New Japan, um, being in the G1, uh, Progress, Rev Pro, PWG, Evolve, all these places where Zach has sort of caught fire. And you see more in him now than ever before that Brian-esque mean streak and nastiness and the ability to elevate a younger guy or a guy that's not on his level yet or a guy that's not exactly um up to his standards in the ring and he's able to elevate a guy and make him look better. So comparing that Zack Sabre Jr. in 2008 to the one we see now, the one that had that incredible match with Darby Allen, you know, do yeah. you see the Danielson teachings, learnings in Zack Sabre Jr. today? Oh, 100%. I mean, I put a tweet out the other day. Um, I had just watched the Walter, or the, yeah, the Walter versus uh, Mark Davis match from Progress. And um, just looking at what he's done this year, I, I kind of said that Walter is now Chris Hero. Walter now is what Chris Hero was in the last few years on the independent circuit. He's, he's become that, that name, that big guy, that big name. But if, if Walter is Chris Hero, then I think Zack Sabres Jr. is Brian Danielson. I think he's the technician. He's the guy who can be an amazing face. He's the guy who can come in and be an amazing heel, depending on what the circumstances need. You know, he's the guy who's doing all the fancy mat work. He's got that gravitas about him now. You know, he's um, like, I've, I, I really tried hard to, to broaden my, my wrestling viewing this year. And I've been trying to keep a record of everything. And like, Zach is just running away with, with wrestler of the year at the moment. Like I, I have, I, I've watched 13 Sabre junior matches this year. And I think that, that at the very least, not to be going on about star ratings or whatever, but but nothing drops below three and a half stars. He's, he's, he's a guaranteed good to great match every time he hits the ring. There's a formula now that he can plug into pretty much any wrestler, whether it's a giant like Walter or a guy like Darby Allen, you know, whether it's a Travis Banks, whether it's a, a speedball Mike Bailey. Um, wild you know, I, I got to... <laughs> Wild boar, exactly. Like, it's just this, it doesn't matter who it is anymore. You know, I mean, last year he went and wrestled Negro Navarro in Mexico. You know, he, he's just this, this traveling wrestling genius who, who can, who can have a great match with anybody, you know. Um, and like, it, you look at, you look at what Danielson was doing in 2009. Like, I mean, I, I brought up his cage match or in 2008, the, the year that this match happened. I just looked at where he was wrestling and he was kind of coming to the end of his time in ROH. He wasn't the main guy. He'd done everything he could in ROH. So he was kind of the, the gateway guy to the main event in ROH at this stage. He wasn't the main man anymore. He wasn't the champion. Um, he was, he was in Noah. The following week after this match, he goes to WXW and wrestles Marufuji. Um, Chris Hero, Quackenbush, and Bad Bones in the space of three days, you know. So he was doing in 2008 what Zach is doing now. I mean, you know, look what Zach did last year. He did the G1, he did the G1. He did, um, was the Cruiserweight Classic last year, the year before? Cruiserweight you know, Classic well, you know, but he's doing yeah, Bola, he all that stuff. Bola. He's going to Mexico. He's still in England. Super he's strong in Germany. Super Strong Style 16. You name it. He, 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 he's, the, he's this wrestling, he's like what Danielson was in 2008. He's this wrestling genius who, who's a big attraction as well. You know, he's like, like my local promotion, OTT, kind of have him booked. Um, I, I'm presuming they're building up to a big match with him and Jordan Devlin at the stadium in May, in May. And he's a big deal. When he steps out from, from behind the curtain and you're in the room with him, there's an aura about him. You know, there's, it's, it's, and seeing him live in person, he, he is special, you know, and I was lucky enough to see Danielson live a decade ago. And it's the same feeling you get. You just sit there and you appreciate every little thing he does in the ring. And it's the small things again. You know, it's, it's always 
people always say it's the little things that wrestlers do that separate the good ones from the great ones. And it's the little things that Zach does. You know, it's, it's the, whether it's the, uh, just, just the, the, the added, you know, you think he has a guy in this crazy submission and then he grabs another leg and does something or he, he, he kicks him from the, you know, he just adds something extra to things all the time. Or, you even, know, like, that, or even like the Tyler Bate match where like, Something that I went crazy for watching that match that I'm sure no one else like on the planet went as crazy for as me is Zach is doing his normal like climbing all over a guy spot where he's going from like guillotine to Kimura and a whole yeah. bunch of different submissions. And what Zach does is he's grinding the back of his hand in Tyler Bates face and cross facing him <laughs> while he's doing this. <laughs> yeah. Or how, like, you know, Chris Hero, I believe, used to do this, but, like, the STF, but he's doing it with a cravat instead. And yes, stuff exactly. like that. Where Just it's a like, little twist. Yeah. yeah. Or you, think that, you think there isn't any limb left for him to torture, and he's got a guy in a submission, and he's, like, he's got both his arms, he's got a leg, and then he reaches around and grabs the other leg, or he adds kicks to it. Or so. It's just something different every time. And that, was it the title? What was that? thing he finished Tyler Bate with like it's ridiculous yeah that's crazy yeah I believe, I believe he calls that the young boy killer but that's the like the sort of like stunt rider stretch but like even more gruesome yeah. the stuff yeah, he's, yeah. the stuff he's finished Jocka with the uh octopus stretch like everything that he's done and one thing about Danielson that I loved another thing and that's something about Zap that I love is that anything Danielson did could be a finish whether it was yeah. A rolling elbow or an arm bar, a guillotine, um, the cattle mutilation, the Danielson special, a superplex, a small package, whatever the it elbows, was. The MMA elbows. Yeah, the MMA elbows. Anything that Danielson did, you bought as a finish. And that's the same thing with Zach now. And that yeah. any submission Zach puts on, whether it be an octopus, an abdominal stretch, um, an arm bar, a triangle choke, Whatever it is, penalty kicks, the European clutch, it all is viable finishes. And for me, that's something I love about professional wrestling. I love when someone has multiple moves that I can buy into as winning a match so you don't have to keep going to the same move over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And look, I'm unabashed in how open I am about like, to me, there's a clear lineage of who my favorite wrestlers are and who I think the best wrestler ever is. And I think the last couple of years, Zach has been working and working his way up to that status of being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And yeah, I don't, I'm not sure he's ever going to reach the Danielson level. To reach Danielson level, you have to go to WWE and against all odds, you know, yeah. become yeah, that exactly. guy there is transcendent. But if Zach keeps going at this rate, because I've already had him at two straight Wrestler of the Year awards, if he somehow winds up doing it again, then for me at least, that's a pretty unprecedented run. And when I have to start seriously considering him as one of the absolute best wrestlers I've ever seen. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, if, if you were to submit the greatest wrestler ever lists right this minute, how high could you put him at this stage? <sighs> I don't know because have you ever had someone repeat wrestler of the year for you? No, probably not. There's always, there's always one guy to kind of, whether it's a hero pops up or not really. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So like I've never had that, but then I thought, I know somewhat controversially because a lot of people will say Chris hero, but I had Zach Sabre jr. As the best wrestler in the world in 2016. I had him as the runaway wrestler of the year 2017. Yeah. So already he's doing something that's unprecedented for my rankings in the way mm -hmm. that I judge wrestling. So I'd already have him already have, I'd have to have him really highly because it's not because he's already had a great career before that. Yeah. He, he's just yeah. hitting his peak right now. So I'd have to have him at least in like the forties, maybe thirties. And yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly, and, yeah. And if he managed to have another, wrestler of the year caliber year, then he might have to go even higher, which is scary to think about because Zach is only 30, going to be 31 this year. Yeah. And the thing about him is there's two things about him. He's, he's not working a dangerous style. I mean, he can do this for the next 10 years. No problem. He's not taking big bumps. He's not coming off the top rope. He's not doing a lot of damage to his neck. You know, the style he works 
is a style that, that like he's like those luchadors, like those old luchadors who can work way into their careers because mm. they're not taking heavy bumps, you know. And the other thing is he, he doesn't seem particularly interested in WWE. So he's doing things on his own terms. So, I mean, he's going out there and he's able to put up this huge volume of great matches because he's working on his own terms, you know, and he's two, three times every single weekend. Like, as I said, he has 13 good to great matches in 2018 already. And we're in what? We're not even at the end of February, you know, so multiply that out. Like that's, that's more than that's two a week. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You know what I mean? And he can keep doing that for how many years? The sky's the limit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we're, we're kind of like off Zach and Danielson, I know, I know where you stand on Zach and if he keeps going, you'll have him higher as the years go on. But speaking of guys that are in that same vein, like a Walter, uh, Timothy Thatcher, a Jonathan Gresham, a Pete Dunne, that are all fantastic wrestlers in their own right. Some of my favorite mm. wrestlers on the planet, any given moment could have like the match of the year or have like the best performance of the year. Looking at those guys, are any of them ones that you'd rank really highly at this point? I know I'd really rank Walter highly because we just have more footage of him. But what yeah. about the rest of those guys? Yeah, like I mean, I, I I think I had this conversation recently enough. And if you look at the modern era, um, say say we look the next time greatest wrestler ever will be done in twenty twenty six. So I can see myself of the current crop of guys, people who, people who are currently active will say, um, that I think will make my list next time. You got AJ. Mm. Fair enough. AJ made my list last time. He will make it again. Uh, Chris Hero. Easy. Greatest independent wrestler of all time. No problem. Definitely. Now that I've said, I don't think I had Walter last time, but I, I would easily have Walter now, you know, as because the resume is there, you know, um, I've been watching the 10 years of Walter documentary, um, the year he had last year, the year he had this year, the year he's having this year, you know, I could easily put him in. Thatcher is a difficult one. Um, I, I find it hard to be unbiased about Thatcher. <laughs> he's one of those guys, you know, when you really like somebody and then they get criticized. And you almost, you, you, you over defend them almost, you know, and I don't know how much I'm just pissed off at some of the criticism he's been getting the last few years because of that evolve run that he had. I'd have to think, I'd have to kind of almost put his list, put his matches down on paper. He's someone I would certainly consider anyway, you know what I mean? But I, I don't know, is it me over defending him because the criticism he gets annoys me? I'm not sure. I could see Pete and Tyler definitely as two other guys. You know, like I have so much respect for Pete Dunn. Like, I mean, I've, I've seen him. I've been lucky enough that my local promotion is almost the one that gave Pete a chance before anybody else. So I've seen Pete grow from a young 20 year old to the star he is now. I, I've seen his, his, his entire run. You know what I mean? So I, I could easily make a case for Pete Dunn. Um, the fact that he's in WWE, will that affect him? Will, will that hinder him from having great matches that he could be having on the independence every weekend? Maybe, but he's good enough. You know, so Pete and Tyler will be the other ones I think of, of the current crop that I think would have a good shot. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I think last time I did it, I sort of straight, like straight away from trying to like going too biased for my favorites. Um, I had Sami Zayn really high, but wound up like chickening out and putting like guys like Kabashi and Liger ahead of him that I might have had Generico higher than before. Um, yeah. AJ Styles is already on my list and he's like now solidified as like one of the top 10 best wrestlers ever to me. Uh, yeah. Already a Chris Hero, Cesaro, guys like that, but guys that weren't on my list that make it at this point. Walter would definitely make it. I'd really consider Timothy Thatcher. Um, if he just keeps like, giving out the footage and matches like he's been doing since yeah, last year, yeah. because last year is definitely the most matches Timothy Thatcher has ever had online. Um, I'd, I'd um, really consider him. Tyler Bacon, the sky's the limit for him, obviously, and Pete Dunne the same way. Pete Dunne has a little bit more footage to go off of, the, go off of than Tyler. Uh, I didn't vote for Kenny Omega last time, um, although in, in hindsight I probably would have, but now Kenny Omega is sort of a no-brainer for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, Jonathan Gresham, he might, like, there isn't enough as to where I could reasonably vote him super high. But so it'd have to be sort of like a bottom 10 vanity pick almost, even yeah, though the guy. Yeah. 
this, he just suffers from, from just a lack of stuff. Like, he's as good as anybody. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, he just doesn't get the opportunities and it's so annoying, you know? Yeah. Um, Roman Reigns is someone that I'd probably have mm-hmm. on my list uh, if he just keeps having good match after good match after good match. It's just going to be hard to deny him. Yeah. But like yeah. a great TV worker and a great main eventer, you know. So he's he's just you know even if he even if they stop pushing him, he's just having good matches on TV all the time mm-hmm. anyway, you know. Yeah, at worst he's just having really good TV matches every week, and he's a and yeah. he's a like wrestling workhorse. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you've covered every everything, man. I really appreciate the fact that you uh, took the time to do this again. Mini oh, episode, man, it was, it was... <laughs> mini episode for all those five-hour podcast fans out there. But, um, <laughs> I don't think I could go five hours. <laughs> oh. Especially, it's, it's like 10 p.m. here. I don't know if I got another four hours in me. <laughs> but I do enjoy listening. You you keep churning out the five hours, and I keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but seriously, thank you a ton for uh, being on. Um, you're older than me. Um, Bobby Ball are older than me. But I like the fact that you like... <laughs> all, of you, all of you are older than me. But I like the fact that... Um, you're um because of where you're from you're irish so like you have a lot of um knowledge when it comes to the scene before the boom really took place and i think hearing you run down the promotions that were available to wrestlers during this time and promotions that were known and the shows you were going to the memories you have like it was very um invaluable and insightful and uh i learned a lot from hearing you speak about um this era and like i love british wrestling i love european wrestling that anybody that knows me can attest to mm, of um, course yeah so really thank you it was very it was a very um fun and knowledgeable experience that was cool it was it was my pleasure quentin it was it was a breeze so just easy you know easy to talk to you and um as i said something that i wanted to do for a long time and something i consider a real honor so thank you mm, can you plug your twitter on the way up oh yeah at jamesy underscore 2015 um, hopefully you're doing some appearances on Alan's Pro Wrestling Paradise on uh, Pro Wrestling Torch very soon. I hope so. I hope so. I, I really like that as well. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. This should be released on the 10th anniversary of this match taking place, which is the March 2nd. So uh, you're listening to this almost a week out. So sorry for the delay. Um, but I'm also writing a piece about this match for uh, Place to Be Nation. So whenever that um, date comes around, you will see an article about this match on the website that I will certainly be tweeting about and uh, sending out links to. And like I mentioned on here, I uploaded this match to YouTube. So if anyone wants to go see this match, just look up Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. 36 minutes of a total package. Um, I implore you to watch it um tell me your opinions on it um leave comments anything because i think it's a really significant match that people should have more eyes on it happened before the boom but it's a very uh important match to the career of one zack saber jr and one that i don't think he'd be where he is now if that match didn't help shape a lot of like his habits and where he gets stuff from so uh i'd very much say watch that thank you all for listening We'll be here next time. consideration paid for by the following hey pro wrestling announcer kevin kelly here i want to make sure you are all subscribed to all the great feeds here at place to be nation it's really easy to do just head to itunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search and subscribe to the place to be nation wrestling feed which of course includes the full archives of the kevin kelly show the place to be nation pod feed and the pro wrestling only feed Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. 
and be sure to give Justin your true thoughts. I mean, don't hold back. After all, he is kind of a jerk. Just listen to Scott. Place to Nations, JT Rosero and Chad Campbell here. We want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceToBeNation.com, and we offer those to you on three great feeds. On the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, we bring you the Mothership, the original Place to Be podcast, as well as main event, Lucha Afterground, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, as well as the Our Vantage Point podcast and Jeff Learns Wrestling. In addition to these full-length shows, we also deliver quick-hit pod blasts on topics old and new. Over on the Pro Wrestling Only feed, we dive deep inside the wrestling business with a stacked army of experts leading the way. The feed features potpourri shows such as This Week in Wrestling, Greetings from Allentown, Psychology is Dead, Puro Puri, Stacy and Elliot's Bogus Journey, and the Military Industrial Suplex. We also have shows that focus intently on certain topics like Letters from Center Stage, Space City, and NWA Classics on Demand Adventure, Through the Years, Strong Style History, Strong Style Story, and Mount Olympus. Plus, the feed has the full archives of legendary shows like Titans of Wrestling, Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Kayfabe, and much more. And on our popular Place to Be Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, PTBN Dadcast, Go Home in a Box, NBA Team, and Lucha Undead, as well as a vertible podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, Geek and Sassy, and Imaginary Stories Podcasts. You can find all of these current shows plus archives of our past podcasts, including the Kevin Kelly Show, as well by subscribing to all of our feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All of these shows plus others available on PlacementNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus in-depth stretch projects and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlacementNation.com backslash Amazon when shopping online and download our free PTB Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlacementNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world.